We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. It's a wonderful privilege to have with us Penn Morrison. Penn Morrison comes from Kansas City, Missouri, and all of you uh, have heard here, Kansas City, Kansas. Oh, my goodness. And uh, she's a pastor, she's an author, a blogger, a teacher, and uh, a grandmother. Her husband is David, and uh, she's part of our ministry for many years, and our mission trips throughout the world. Pam, we want to welcome you, and, and to let you know that we are fond of you, we're, we're, we think very highly, we special, Pam Morrison. What a blessing you become to us, Pam. Share the word that God gave you this morning. Thank you, Rick. It's so wonderful to be with you again. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here and to talk with you and talk with those who are listening this morning. You know, when I was thinking about today and um, what I might talk about, God just put one word on my heart, and that was Jericho. And so I've been thinking about that story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho and what God has for everyone who's listening today to encourage all of us about how he's with us and helping us uh, to face the things that we have to face. So as I was thinking about this, I also at the same time heard once again a song that I just love called Do It Again. And I think that's by Elevation Worship. But you might know this song. I heard it a couple of years ago for the first time at a joy conference, which was interesting because this the song kind of starts out with sort of a solemn sense to it. And then uh, it bursts into joy when one remembers that God is with us and helping us. So I want to just share some of the lyrics from it. And bear with me. I'm going to get to the Bible passage in a moment. But I want to kind of set this up why I feel God has put this on my heart today. So the song goes like this. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands, great is your faithfulness, faithfulness, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence, you never failed me yet. I know the night won't last your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. So I was thinking about Jericho, and I heard this song and that sense of walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. You know, of course, we know with the Battle of Jericho, it was a uh, a siege of one week. So those walls, once the Israelites got to them, fell down very quickly. But for a lot of us, sometimes we have something in our way, a Jericho, you might say. And it may seem like we've been facing those walls, looking at that problem for a long, long time. So for a lot of us, sometimes that song is so meaningful. You know, I've been walking and walking around these walls, and I thought by now they'd fall. And what are those walls for people? Well, right now, for a lot of people, they are things associated with our current events, um, maybe being out of work or not being able to have our kids go back to school, 
It may be something not really associated with current events. It may be something like um, a marriage that you've been working on for so long and you thought you would make a breakthrough in your relationship and still you're struggling. It may be dealing with a child who's rebellious and you've just been hoping and praying, Lord, just straighten them out, bring them back. It can be all kinds of circumstances that are in our way, and we think, God, I feel like I've been praying and praying and praying about this. You know, I I had a friend of mine who listened to a podcast that I did on America and the beauty of this country and the purposes God has for America. And she wrote me and she said, you know, Pam, a lot of us are praying for our country She said, why don't you do a podcast on what happens when prayer isn't answered? She was feeling very hopeless about what she was seeing in current events and in politics. And we can feel that. We can feel like, oh, my gosh, I've been just interceding and praying for so long. And I need some encouragement. Yes. You know, Jericho can be something else, too. In this ministry with Rick Bonfim, he has that wonderful book, Praying with Accuracy. And he talks about how to discern the needs that people have. And he talks about roots that may be in people's lives, like rejection or bitterness or unforgiveness or rebellion, the way in which the mind sometimes blocks God's input and God's Uh, presence with us because we're analytical we're doing our own thing we're thinking and not listening or receiving from God there can be roots emotional problems mindsets spiritual blockages that for some of us that's our Jericho there's something in the way a soul wound Things that have come out of experiences that we've had that just stands in our way. The promised land represents the fullness of life with the Lord that we're supposed to have because we are Christians. Amen. But something is in our path. Something is keeping us from getting the fullness that God has for us in the spirit. And so we want to figure out how to get that Jericho out of our way, right? We want that thing to finally go. We want those walls to come down, and we want to get into that promised land of the fullness of what it means to be a Christian who lives a life in the Spirit with Christ, fully saved, fully delivered, being sanctified, enjoying the abundance that Jesus Christ has for us. So that Jericho is an issue for us, and we want to be able to get that out of our way. And so that's what I was thinking about as I thought of this passage today. And um, when we think about our promised land, Ephesians 1.3 tells us beautifully what it's like, what, what we have because we love Jesus Christ and we've been saved by him. Ephesians 1.3 says, <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places with Christ. And then from verse 4 to verse 14, it goes on to tell us 
what we have because we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We, we hear about what those blessings are, and they are amazing. <laughs> now, I'm not going to list them all right now. Save that for you to do when we're through with this teaching. Go back and look at Ephesians 1.3, and then read through 4 and 14 and see if you can list all those blessings that are promised to us, our promised land in Christ, what we have when we receive Christ and live a life with him, we should be encountering and experiencing all those things. But sometimes if circumstances overwhelm us or we have a stronghold of some root, some soul wound, some emotional wound that's in our way, we're not getting to all those blessings. I was reading another website's teaching um, on Growing Christian Ministries, that's the name of the website, and they were talking about some of the ways we get shortchanged if we don't deal with our Jerichos. For instance, if you're a Christian, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a Christian and you're afraid of death, that's not how this life should work, is it? We should have security in Christ and be unafraid to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's what the scripture says. And if you read in Hebrews 13.5, you hear God's heart for us and his promise to us. He says, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. That's what we're promised. So for us to fear death is inappropriate, isn't it? It's, it's not what life is meant to be for us. And then a Christian who is worried has not claimed the rest for the soul. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus has said to us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's what we're intended to have with Jesus Christ is rest for our souls. Not worry, not anxiety, not fretting, but rest unlike anybody else experiences who doesn't know him. But we who know him should be unworried. And a third thing that is a sign of us being shortchanged in our promised land is constantly complaining, finding fault with things, grumbling, being dissatisfied. In Romans 14, 17, we hear that what the kingdom of God is, is this righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. So when you or I, because I do it sometimes myself, I shortchange myself of my promised land, but sometimes if we're grumbling and we're complaining, we're not realizing all that we're meant to have if we get Jericho's out of the way. And then a fourth thing, and I'm sure we could list more and we could think of more ways in which we might be missing all that God intends for us. But the fourth thing is a Christian who cannot get along with others. Uh, if we're like that, if we're finding we're irritated or offended and having trouble getting along with others, we're missing the boat too. We're not receiving all we're intended to receive. John fifteen nine says this, Jesus said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That's the way we ought to be in the promised land of the Christian life. It's full of love, unafraid of death, 
not worried, not offended. So if we find those characteristics in us, it's an indication that something is blocking us. We have a Jericho in our life, and it needs to be taken down. So let's do this story. Let me read the story from Joshua about the Battle of Jericho, and then we'll just talk about this battle a little more and then take some applications from it for our life, for how we can be totally free and have a breakthrough. If you'll remember Joshua and the uh, Israelites, of course, they had spent that time wandering in the wilderness because of complaining and unbelief. And all those ways in which they had resisted God. Forty years of wandering. Finally, they get to the Jordan River. And it's time. And they're going to have their breakthrough. They're going to get into this promised land. And it's miraculous how they cross that Jordan. The priests wading into the floodwaters and those waters parting as they carry the Ark of the Covenant into those floodwaters. And the people pass through. It's like the Red Sea. Now it's the Jordan, and they walk through. They build the memorial of 12 stones so that they can remember that God did this for them, and he's a wonder-working God, and they can depend on him. But they get in there, and what's looming in front of them? But this fortified city, this, this Jericho that's filled with enemies of the people, and It's a blockage to them realizing what God has given to them. So that's where we are when we start in Joshua 6 at verse 1. And I will read this 1 through 7. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That's a wonderful line, isn't it? I've delivered Jericho into your hands before the battle even starts. Along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. And so that was exactly what happened. The people followed God's instructions to the letter. There were armed men who preceded the priests who carried the seven trumpets, carried the ark of the covenant, and more armed men behind that. They went around each day, as God had instructed, six days in a row, blowing those trumpets, those ram's horns, those shofars, and blowing them, walking around, but not saying anything yet. 
And on the seventh day, they went around seven times. And then when the command was given, they all raised a loud shout. And those walls came down. And they were able to enter in and defeat what was blocking them from their promised land. Now, archaeologists have gone down to the layer where Jericho at this time was, and they found some interesting things. You know, Jericho was rebuilt, but Joshua had said, whoever rebuilds that will be cursed, they'll lose their son. And in fact, that happened to the one who later rebuilt Jericho. But archaeologists have gone down, and they've found that the walls, it appears like they did fall outward. (laughs) And they did find food stores in Jericho. Now, if this had been a long siege, you wouldn't have found food stores. People would have used up the food. But it was a short siege. It was only a week. And Jericho came tumbling down because the Lord was in it. You know, we hear all those seven, seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven times around on the last day. Seven is a number of perfection and completion. This was a battle that was totally in their hands. And as you remember, when I started reading, God said, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this land to you. And God had been saying that since all the way back to Genesis, Genesis 15, 18. He said, I'm going to give this land to you. And I'm wondering for you who are listening today, if maybe you have in some way heard a word, maybe someone has prayed something for you or prophesied something to you and said, it's coming. The Lord says, and perhaps you've even kind of let go of that a little bit because of circumstances or because of some uh, something in you that it seems like, oh, I can't seem to, to overcome this way, this way of looking at things. I, I feel like this just is so rooted. I can't seem to get rid of it. I want you today to go back. And if you've had a prayer, a prophetic word, if you've read something in the Bible, and you said, my name's on that verse, I want to encourage you to reclaim that again as the people marched in with that promise from God, I have given you this land. It's a done deal in the spiritual. I have given this to you. And I want to encourage you to recapture that for yourself, to to fan the flame in yourself of belief and hope and knowledge that God is for you, just as he was for Joshua and he was for the people. And the battle was already won in the spiritual realm, and then it was won in the physical realm. So, um, yes, those walls fell outward. In the King James Version, it says that those walls fell flat, and then the people went up into the city. I heard someone say once that they thought that those walls fell down and became siege ramps. Siege ramps were the way in which people would, if they were uh, forming a siege around a city, it was the way they would enter into the city to do battle. So they'd have to build up some sort of ramp so they could get in and then have the battle. So someone said once that those walls fell down and became siege ramps that the Israelites could climb up and over and get into the city. That's an interesting thought. Um, 
It's, I like the wording of the King James or New King James Version that the walls fell down flat. But it still says, and then the people went up and in to the city. And they overcame their Jericho. And they took plunder from it, precious metals for the treasury of the people. Was ready and preparing to do the same thing for you. You know, I mentioned when I was talking a few minutes ago about sometimes our Jericho is a mindset or a root, something that seems really stuck in us. I'm particularly concerned for people about the root of rejection. I was at a conference about a week ago, and um, at one point the speaker, Anna Werner is her name, she invited people who felt rejection in their lives or felt that it was a continuous problem for them. They kept feeling unwanted or feeling like, oh, boy, here we go again. Someone has shut a door on me or someone has excluded me. And she said, everybody who's feeling that struggles with that. Please stand up. I want to tell you about three quarters of the people in that auditorium stood up because of rejection. And so Anna She paused for a moment and she said, I hear God saying, you belong. And you just feel the wave of emotion through the room just to hear that. God says, you belong. And so she began to pray for rejection to be broken off of people, the spirit of rejection to go, that even... Every cell in people's bodies traumatized by that feeling, that impression, that that ongoing struggle and oppression in their life, that that would be broken off of them. And God does want to do that for you. I, I wrote a blog about that, actually. My last week's blog was on God's deliverance of us from rejection, that he will help us fight that battle and he'll help us win it. So that when you encounter it, you will be able to not be moved by it. I mean, if you encounter rejection or something that seems like rejection, you'll be able to not be moved by it anymore. To be able to say, you know what? I belong to the Lord. My identity is in Christ. It's not in these people. It's not in this situation. It's in the Lord. And so... I'm not going to be distressed. I'm not going to sink into melancholy again because the Spirit has given me freedom from this. I'm praying that if that's your Jericho, that the Lord will take that off of you. Well, let's think about what happened with Joshua and the Israelites and they're going into Jericho. And what is it that they did in that battle that we should take note of and we can say, you know what, I can take those principles out of this story and use it in my own life to get that big stronghold out of my way and to have hope and be encouraged by God that that I'm going to get the fullness of this Christian life and all the abundance that he has for me. It's also going to be mine. I'm not not going to live a, a, a small life in the Lord. I'm going to live a huge life in the Lord as I am filled with the Spirit and walk with him. So what did Joshua do in particular? Well, in Joshua 1.8, if we go back to the early part of the book, 
there are these words. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. It is so important to stay in the word, isn't it? But we got to be careful that we're not just reading it and saying, I'm trying to be good and read my Bible and, and you know, okay, I got my uh, six verses in today, check. That's not God's heart, is it? He wants us to take this living and active word and use it as a sword to fight off the thoughts, to fight off the feelings of defeat and to win battles with it. Every time a lie comes into our minds, the Lord has a word that we can use to to push that out. If rejection does come to us, we have words about who we are in Christ. I'm precious and honored in his sight because he loves me. Even my name is inscribed on the palm of his hand. When we declare those things, we fight off whatever comes to attack us or whatever's standing in our way and blocking us from the fullness of the Christian life. So, like Joshua, we want to be people of the word where we really use it to fight off things that are untrue and not of God. It's full of grace. It's full of hope. It's full of truth. And take those verses that really help you to do battle with what stands in your way. So that's one thing that Joshua did. And you know, think about it. He said, on my lips, so declarations of what God says, speaking it over yourself. And then meditation. We're just really dwelling on that word, praying it back to God, making it really yours. That's an important part of winning and knocking down the walls of Jericho. Second thing is obedience. God told the Israelites to do something that seemed really funky. (laughs) You know, walk around a city and blow horns and don't say anything else. And do that six days in a row. On the seventh day, walk around seven times, blow the horns, and then shout. Now, they might have said to God, that is just bizarre. (laughs) But they didn't. They said, yes, Lord, here we go. We're going to do what you tell us. We're going to be obedient. I wrote down in my notes something I want to share with you, a a thought that means so much to me. Obedience brings encounter. Now, how do I know that? Because Jesus told me. (laughs) In the word, he said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Whoever keeps his commands loves him, and he loves us, too. And he says, I will show myself to them. Wow. (laughs) There's a promise of encounter that follows obedience to God and his word. And then the final thing that I want to point out is, is they had the Ark of the Covenant, and they carried that around. They had it in the midst of them. Now, we might think the Ark was the container for the law, that the tablets of the law were in the Ark. Now, other things were also in it, at least for a time. 
But we might think, well, that's a symbol of the word. They follow the word. Okay. All right. I can do that. But I want to push us to think of something more than that. That ark had the mercy seat was considered to be the place of the presence of the Lord. It was the place where they sprinkled the blood on the day of atonement to atone for the people. But who has atoned for us once and for all? Jesus Christ. So the ark is a symbol of carrying presence and keeping presence in the midst as we fight our battles. But for us, presence specifically meaning keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ and his love for us and his salvation of us. So we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we obey and as we stay close to the word. And this will bring the walls of our Jerichos down. So God bless you. I thank you so much for listening today. And I'm going to turn this back over to Rick and the ministry. And thank you so much. Satanás 